This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuning in to the new TNN. And now, the new TNN presents WCW Must Die, starring Conan. Go play with yourself. Samurai Cop. Who's got the mace? Buff Bagwell. Yeah, my whole life is pretty much a show. Franchise, Shane Douglas. <laughs> you just got your ass franchised. David Arquette. I was the heavyweight champion of the world! Mike Awesome. Yeah, the crippled canyon. Canyon? Yeah, I got thrown off that cage. And it hurt. Terry Funk. Oh, Blue! Daddy's coming home! Chris Candido. But there's no Macho Man! Tammy, how about I show you mine and you owe me one? Mike Tanay. Show us, Tammy! Vampiro. Yeah, you know, Steve. The actor. Big T. The juice. Indistinct! Mean Gene Oberlin. Someone find me Eric Bischoff. DDP. Yo, turn the camera off, monkey. Scott Hudson. It's at the top of the hour, Tony. For Pete's sake! David Flair. This is Champ's room. Andrew McCarthy. Vincent. I've got an idea, Vincent. Norman Smiley. This is my business. The cat. May I please have your attention, please? Lex Luger. Come on, two more. Total package style. Jeff Jarrett. Who died and made you, Commissioner Slappy? Tony Schiavone. The greatest athlete in the history of our sport. It's Sting! Mark Madden. I was wrong. I apologize. Sting. The actor. I feel like romping, stomping, graveyard destruction. Rick Fleer as Rick Flair. Not your dad. Eric Bischoff. What's the matter, Sid? Can't find your scissors? I said, what's the matter, Sid? Can't find your scissors? Hulk Hogan. Terry Bollea. The NB stands for new blood, and I'm taking care of Bolea, dude. Kevin Nash. Hey, kid. Is your mom home? I mean, look at the adjective. Mom. Vince Russo. That dirty, stinking, shock-infested creek. You keep your hands to yourself, young lady. I... Am the Batman! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to what could potentially be one of the greatest podcasts in the history of our sport! Welcome to the return of WCW Must Die! Woo! Oh my god, what have I done? It's Johnny C here on the new TNN, and yes, our... Wonderful landmark idea from years ago. WCW Must Die is returning for episode 18. Why, you might ask, why am I doing this? Well, god 
damn it. I made a commitment to myself when I first became a podcast journalist to track the downfall of WCW in the year 2000, thanks to the genius booking of Russo and Bischoff, and damn it, I'm thirsty for more. Because this particular episode of WCW Monday Nitro contains one of my favorite main events in all of sports entertainment-based history. I mean, this one is a fucking doozy. But to talk about it, we've got to get through this episode, so I will delay no further. But yes, if it's your first time encountering WCW Must Die, let me kind of just explain what we do here. So, we watch, recap, and talk about everything that happened on WCW Programming, since Russo and Bischoff took over in April of the year 2000. Now, we treat these shows, why we, the royal we, being Johnny C, who was I, we treat each episode with the same amount of respect that uh, Russo and Bischoff treat the wrestling product, okay? And, uh, yes, I will be the first to admit, there's a lot of recurring gags throughout WCW Must Die, and I will try along the way to set up the characters' rich backstories and histories appropriately to make sure shit's as funny as possible. But if somehow, someway, you can access older episodes, you might want to do that before strapping in. But uh, if you can't find them, well, they're all on the Podbean page. See, that's a problem with apps like uh, iTunes and Amazon and fucking Spotify and all that shit is that you know, they only list, like, the most recent 100 episodes. And since I'm a whore that loves the sound of his own voice, I, I just, I have more content than they store. And I'm a whore. And that rhymed, which is why I reset whore, so it would really play. Brad Synergy! Anywho, my point is, is that if you go to the Podbean website, which is the, you know, company I use for hosting, the new tnn.podbean.com, I mean, you could trace shit all the way back to the beginning. However, I will warn you, uh, some of the older WCW Must Die episodes, like uh, the three before this one, and then it wasn't up to the technological standards that I am now. Not that it sounds great, but it certainly doesn't sound good then. And of course, all the original episodes can be found on the North South Connection Podcast Network. But it's June 5th in the year 2000, and God love them, almost 14,000 rabid wrestling fans have jam-packed the Phillips Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, also known as not the Georgia Dome. Because it's the year 2000, WCW. There's no way that WCW has the balls to try to get into the Georgia Dome. But we're treated to our opening broadcast video, and it's highlights, ladies and gentlemen, of Tank Abbott, Tank Berg himself. Now, on the episode, the reboot episode of Nitro, Tank Abbott came out and said that uh, he's here for one reason and one reason only. I want to beat up Bill Goldberg. And Bill Goldberg, you're not here, so I'm going to beat up innocent people until you come back. And so we get highlights of Tank Abbott beating the shit out of people until Goldberg eventually returned. Now, Goldberg made his return known to WCW by for a few weeks appearing only in his vehicle form. Because much like Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, Jazz, Ironhide, Ratchet, Drift, Hound, Crosshairs, RC, 
Ultra Magnus, Blur, Hot Rod, Cup, Grimlock, Wheelie, Slag, uh, Preceptor, Blaster. Damn it, I ran out of fucking Autobots. Much like all those fuckers, uh, Bill Goldberg is a Transformer. And for weeks he appeared only as a monster truck, crushing the vehicles of WCW heels. However, last week on WCW Monday Nitro, Goldberg finally said, It's time to transform! And he returned to his human form and came out and beat some bitches up. Mainly like Tank Abbott and Rick Steiner and what have you and blah blah blah. Now, that's the end of the video package. Okay, well, Goldberg returns and says, Hey, Tank, your ass is next. But during this opening video package, during the footage of Tank Abbott and Goldbergamus Prime and all that stuff, we do get some very fun quotes uh, during the chaos from our broadcast colleagues. Uh, just to give you an example, when Tank Abbott's beating people up, Tony Schiavone screams, My God! The innocent victims! Run! Run! Uh, when Goldberg, or excuse me, when Tankberg, that being Take Abbott, starts to take on the mannerisms of his entrance of a Bill Goldberg, Scott Hudson, the dynamo announcer that he is, lets us know that that's a slap in the face to Goldberg. And then when Goldbergmus Prime arrives on the scene, Tony yells, What? What? It's Goldberg's monster truck! And then when Goldberg transforms, he yells, It's Goldberg! So, yay. We're not quite done with a cold open, though, because earlier today, in the parking lot of the Phillips Arena, Tank Abbott and his brother-in-arms, Rick Steiner, arrived at the arena, got out of their rental car, got their luggage out of the trunk, and started to walk into the arena. Now, this duo makes sense on paper. A couple of things to point out, though. It's unconfirmed if at any point in this relationship Rick Steiner patted down Tank Abbott to confirm that Tank was identifying by the gender he was assigned at birth. Again, unconfirmed if Rick Steiner did the pat test. However, piece of information I can confirm based on this footage. Tank Abbott absolutely looks like your aunt's new boyfriend. Tony Schiavone chimes in and promises the return of Goldberg live and only on Nitro! We finally get the WCW Nitro opening, and it's very short. Thank God. The pyro illuminates the Phillips arena. Tony Schiavone introduces himself, Hardway Scott Hudson, and in his words, not mine, the one and only, thank goodness, Mark Madden. Tony then says that they're proud to present World Championship Wrestling, or WCW, if you will. Really? We needed you to explain the acronym to us, Tony. Now, I love Tony Schiavone, okay? I want to make that very clear. But, man, every once in a while, Tony's got some fucking gems. He then declares, it's a banner night in sports entertainment history. Now, that is a great fucking phrase. Why do I love it? Because it sort of has built-in plausible deniability. It's not, you know, Tony's favorite bold claim of the biggest night in the history of our sport or anything like that. He just promises a banner night in sports entertainment. And, and just in case 
World Championship Wrestling, or WCW, if you will, fails to deliver on a Dynamite broadcast program this evening, don't forget, Tony declared it's a banner night in all of sports entertainment, which includes the World Wrestling Federation. So, if WCW fails, perhaps WWF will pick up the slack. So, Tony's statements are all correct. No time to pontificate on this further, though, because it's time to get the ball rolling. And here comes the new blood, baby. Now, unfortunately, we all know I watch these things on Peacock, and it means that Vince Russo's epic theme song is, of course, dubbed over. We don't get broke-ass, I am Iron Man. Gonna ride a wrestling show with my pen. I am Iron Man. Selling porn at my video store. That didn't rhyme and I don't give a fuck. If I fail as a wrestling star, I'll drive a truck. Nope, nope. Probably shouldn't have kept it going, but I did. Um, The the new blood in this configuration. Now, the new blood is, of course, the... The stable of young WCW, or World Championship Wrestling, if you will, superstars uh, that Russo is a big fan of. It's But for this particular interview segment, we get the Batman himself, Vincent Russo. Easy e the gray-haired stallion that he is, Eric Bischoff. And we get like four random members of R&B Security. Now, if you don't know what R&B stands for in front of security, God help you. Now, most of these R&B security guys I don't recognize. One of my favorites, alleged Ezra Miller, the R&B security member that looks like Ezra Miller, is nowhere to be found. However, proudly leading the way of R&B security is Samurai Cop. Now, if you're not familiar with Samurai Cop, the R&B security member... Samurai Cop appears to be the leader of R&B security. Sometimes he gets dialogue. Sometimes he sprays mace in the face of babyface grapplers. Why is he called Samurai Cop? Well, based on his hair configuration, he somewhat slightly resembles the main character of the film, Samurai Cop. And if you haven't seen Samurai Cop, what are you doing with your life? Go watch it immediately after you listen to this podcast. Mark Madden, uh, as the new blood makes their entrance, he starts to hi- he put- starts to put the hype train into overdrive. See, over the last couple weeks, Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo have been promising that this Sunday at the Great American Bash, prevented by presented by Casual GTX, mind you, they will make the biggest announcement that will change sports entertainment for all times. So keep that in your back pocket. Eric is doing his patented, ah, oh, oh, you guys, me, you cheer for me, oh, you, oh, I'm touching my heart and being like, oh, you guys, I don't know, why, you? I love you so much, I'm just so happy to, you guys, you guys know, you know. Uh, Madden starts to talk about tonight's attractions and calls Tank Abbott toothless but ruthless. You hear that, Tony? They rhyme. He's toothless, but he's ruthless. Now give me my paycheck so I can get a pastrami sandwich. Eric Bischoff takes the microphone as the theme of the new blood concludes. Now this is great. The first words out of Eric Bischoff's mouth. He says two words. He goes, absolutely nothing. 
Now, upon hearing Eric Bischoff say absolutely nothing, Tony has a panic attack and chimes in, Nothing! What does he mean? Eric continues, But love! Tony breathes a sigh of relief and says, Oh! <laughs> and then Eric concludes, In my heart for all of you. So, with full context, let's perform the previous scene. Absolutely nothing. Nothing? What does he mean? But love. Oh, in my heart for all of you. Eric uh, has been off camera for like one week. Uh, like Or like one episode of Nitro, even if that... Uh, but here in this interview, he's acting like, well, he's he's overplaying the fact that he was gone. But it, he's kind of making it sound like he's been gone for an entire year. He's like, I miss you guys so much. I know you miss me too. He says that WCW, or World Championship Wrestling, if you will, uh, is the company that Eric Bischoff built. And he wants to take a moment to reflect on the current status of the Millionaire's Club. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Millionaire's Club, that's the group of babyfaces in WCW that are currently at war, as Mark Madden would say, with the new blood. It's the older, more seasoned veterans. You know, like Chronic, Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, uh, who else? DDP, Scott Steiner, you know, etc., etc. Uh... He says that Lex Luger is missing in action tonight because he had his face crushed by Chuck Palumbo. And Miss Elizabeth is so frightened by these events that she refuses to leave her dressing room. He then starts to give us the card for tonight's action. First up, he books what Eric calls a New Blood occasion. Scott Steiner, who I guess is in the New Blood actually now that I think about it, even though he's friends with Kevin Nash, versus... Vampiro, my favorite punching bag. He then says that tonight, Kevin Nash is going to run the New Blood Gauntlet. And no, much to Kevin's dismay, that doesn't mean he's going to fuck all of the new females hired in the Turner Executive Tower. Uh, he then says if Nash loses the New Blood Gauntlet, Nash will not be able to challenge for the world title belt strap at the, ba at the at the Great American Bash. And if the Millionaire's Club helps Big Sexy out during this match, the same rules apply. But, yeah, you guys, we gotta keep it a level playing field. That's what we do. We're fair. I'm fair. Russo's fair. So tonight, WCW champion Jeff Jarrett takes on... STING! And that actually gets a big pop here from the Atlanta GA faithful. Now it's time for Vince Russo to speak. He grabs the microphone. Atlanta boos. Russo, though, is great. He's like, all right, settle down. Settle down. You know, eight months ago, I was forced to leave New York and move to Atlanta. Forced, mind you. Well, Delta's ready when you are, sport. Chimes in Scott Hudson. It's been the worst eight months of my life. Surrounded by horn kickers. I don't know what the fuck he says. I don't know what he says. He, he tosses out some sort of insult. Just say rednecks. It's easier. 
But before he gets talking about the wrestling, he's got to make a, a shout-out. You can call it a challenge if you want. John Rocker, you want a dog? New York, wherever you want to go, one-on-one with Russo, I'll jack you higher than your ERA, pal. So, this is the famous scenario setting up that, uh, if you don't know, John Rocker is a baseballer. And judging from Russo's taunt, he must be a pitcher because he references ERA. Now, I don't know who uh, Rocker was playing for at the time. I'm thinking Atlanta, based on what happens next. But hear me out. I guess John Rocker threw shade at the New York Yankees. It's uh, maybe. Or New York City, maybe. I don't really fucking know and I don't care. But because of this, Russo got a genius idea in his head. That Starcade 2000 would take place in Uniondale, New York, home of WrestleMania 2, well, one-third of it anyway, and one of the feature bouts would be Vince Russo versus John Rocker. Now, I believe he got this idea without a couple of things happening first. One, I'm pretty sure he didn't actually reach out to anyone in WCW Live Events planning to see if they could book Uniondale for Starcade, or to see if perhaps the Starcade venue had already been booked. Number two, I'm pretty sure he didn't or have anyone in WCW management reach out to John Rocker, the baseballer. Because, you know, it takes two to tango in these scenarios. Now, this is why I think maybe Rocker played for Atlanta. Because after Russo throws out this shade to a John Rocker, Hudson chimes in, Whoa! That Turner family picnic's gonna be something else next month! Which, of course, when you talk about corporate picnics, I just think of the Dunder Mifflin picnic. Uh, where they slum dunder Mifflin air or whatever. I don't know. Anywho, uh, I'm thinking that because if John Rocker, you know, maybe the 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 uh, Turner picnic's gonna be fucked up because John Rocker's there because he's a brave because he owns the Braves. That being Ted Turner, pal. Uh, I don't know though. Like I said, totally fucking out of the loop on year 2000 baseball. Now there's a cage hanging above the ring tonight. It's the caged heat steel cage, which is just a steel cage with a roof. Tonight, in the steel cage, we're going to Space Mountain. It's Fitz Russo versus Ric Flair. Russo promises that tonight he will toss Ric Flair off the top of the cage. And Eric grabs the mic back and he's like, Oh, oh Vince, oh, I'm so proud of you, Vince. I'm going to follow in your lead. You're going to have a match tonight. I'm going to have a match tonight. Tonight, I will finally find a way to get the hardcore title away from Terry Funk. That's right. Funk versus Bischoff tonight. And finally, Eric wants to talk about Billy Goldberg. Or I guess as, as Gizmo would call him, Billy Goldberg. Eric's like, Goldberg, oh, I love you, man. And then in perfect Eric Bischoff fashion, he's like, Bill, Bill, I, I love you, man. I've known you your entire career, Bill. Hey, I love Henry Holmes, your agent, because I'm connected. I'm Eric Bischoff. But last week, you know, you know, Bill, last week, I think there was a breakdown of communication because you messed with the new Bloods business by helping out Kevin Nash. But I'm willing to forgive and forget. So tonight, you do your little thing with Tank, and we'll do our little new blood thing, and it's all good. 
But if you mess with the new blood tonight, Bill, I will suspend you. But it's not personal, though. It's just business. Russo, however, takes the mic back, and he's got some choice words for Billy as well. Fritz Russo is like, hey, you know what? Eric is being nice to you. I don't know you, Bill Goldberg, and you don't want to know me. You've never messed with a New Yorker, punk. If you get in my face, I will get up in you. Get up in him, chimes in Tony. We cut to the back. Bill Goldberg is here in the arena watching on a tiny TV. As soon as we see him, Bill Goldberg, like an old bastard watching uh, police procedurals on Paramount Plus. No, they wouldn't have access to Paramount Plus. They would just be watching CBS Live. Bill Goldberg yells at the television as if it can hear him. And he says, what are you, crazy? Uh, Back in the arena, Vince Russo says, you know what, Bill? I got two words for ya. Spear this! Upon saying spear this, Vince Russo does a full vertical to base crotch chop, meaning... Both of his arms get completely vertical and then pivot downwards to the crotchal position. Goldberg's music hits. He does indeed come down the aisle. Bischoff and Russo flee immediately, but R&B security stands tall in the ring. Goldberg enters and hits a double clothesline to two of the jabronis. He then hits a Bret Hart career-killing super kick to another. Only Samurai Cop remains. However, Samurai Cop quickly meets the fate of his fallen brethren when he too eats a Bret Hart career-killing superkick. One of the original jabronis stands up and gets a spear. Now Samurai Cop is up! Samurai Cop, God love him, walks straight up to Bill Goldberg and hits a patented Stone Cold Steve Austin little gut kick. Goldberg refuses to sell and hits a little gut kick of his own. And now, oh no! Goldberg grabs the samurai cop, he puts him vertical, and hits, as Michael Buffer would call, the vertical suplex lift and pin! Or the jackhammer. An army of Russo and Bischoff security run down to the ring, but they decide they'll just rescue their friends and flee because Goldberg is a scary motherfucker. Tony promises Tank versus Goldberg tonight. But when will it happen, Tony? Well, WCW must die, fans. You can say it with me if you know. The match will take place at the top of the hour, Tony. And we head to a commercial. We're back from commercial, and we're in the backstage area in the locker room of the management of the New Blood with Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff, and ladies and gentlemen, Ernest the Cat Miller is here! Now, Ernest the Cat Miller is sort of your commissioner or GM in training. He's been used as mouthpiece for the new blood when Bischoff and Russo can't bother to show up. But he's also sort of an annoying sidekick in their eyes, not mine. He's been doing a gimmick where he sort of repeats everything that Eric Bischoff says, and by God, he's doing it now. Eric, of course, angry that Russo has angled Gold... Angled? Well, angled Goldberg for a threesome, or angered Goldberg, says, Do you know what you've done? Do you know? Adds the cat. Jeff Jarrett is here. 
Are you out of your mind, slap ass? I gotta go against Sting tonight. You know what, Jeff? Jeff, just just go out there and be a pro. Go do it, man. I believe in you, Jeff. I believe in you. Kidman and Tori Wilson are here. And Kidman demands a match with both Horace Hogan and Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, dude. Bischoff can't be bothered with this. It says, you know what, Billy? Whatever. I don't care. Tori Wilson is angry with Billy, though, as she kind of has a soft spot for Horace Hogan at this point in time, and she leaves abruptly. Now we're back in the arena for the following contest, which is brought to you by Western Union and the Pope's Exorcist. Hey, NASCAR driver Billy Elliott is here in the crowd. If anyone cares or knows who that is, well, I'm sorry for you. Here come the current reigning defending WCW Tag Team Champions, the Perfect Event and members of the New Blood. The Perfect Event being Sean Stasiak and the event Chuck Palumbo. Last Wednesday on Thunder, when the Cat was left in charge of the show, the Perfect Event defeated Chronic via disqualification and won the Tag Team Gold. Tonight, it's a rematch, and judging... From the time on my watch, it's 4.19, so here comes Chronic, Chronic, Chronic. The bell is about to ring, so ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about our first match. Now, as we do here on WCW Must Die, first I'll tell you what happened in the match, and then we will try to determine what the hell happened. So, match number one, the perfect event, defeat Chronic. To retain the title of WCW Tag Team Title Holders via what I'm calling Cat Nanigans. We start with a split screen brawl. Palumbo and Brian Baum inside the ring, and Stasiak and Brian Crush on the outside. Stasiak makes his way back into the ring, but promptly eats a clothesline from Three Mile Island. Brian Baum then hits the meltdown called Pump Handle. That's the prelude to his move by Tony Schiavone. <laughs> no cover, though, and here comes Ernest the Cat Miller. All four combatants are back on the outside to brawl, but finally, Stasiak and Brian Crush start a normal match in the inside of the ring. Scott Hudson refers to the cat as a parrot. Incorrect, Scott. He's a feline. A super kick party by the Chuckster, and the new blood is now in control. Chucky hits a big tackle from the top rope. His hair flows and blows in the wind the entire way down, and it's glorious. Sean Stasiak then hits possibly the worst crossbody in the history of our sport. It's proof that if your opponent doesn't want to help you in a sports entertainment encounter, you're going to look really stupid. Brian Crush then hits a backbreaker. It's not the Tilt-A-Whirl variant, so that's a bummer. A nuclear tag is made to Brian Baum. The match breaks down and all four combatants are on the outside. The referee is counting, as one's to do in a count-out situation. But Ernest the Cat Miller comes inside the ring and uses his commissioner-based powers to tell the referee to count faster. I guess. The ref counts to four, but then stops to talk to the cat, proving the cat is not getting the job done. Stasiak comes inside. However, the cat starts to choke the referee to make him count faster. The ref does. He's up to five, but I gotta say, 
I think the choking is hurting the cat's case. All the combatants are again on the outside. Brian Adams, or Brian Crush, looks to the referee and he's like, Oh no, the ref's counting. I better get back in the ring. So what does Brian Crush do? First, he tosses his opponent, Sean Stasiak, into the ring. The referee, still being choked, is at seven. Once Stasiak is back in the ring, the cat throws the referee away, grabs a microphone out of his own pocket, and goes, eight, nine, ten, and it's over! Uh, the cat then proclaims, what about count out? Come on, ring the bell! Now, the cat is usually a lot funnier than this, but the match is over. And when it comes to star rankings on WWE Must Die, we always like to get a little creative. So I'm giving this match one awkward finish. Chronic, angry at the events, wants to beat up the cat. But the cat says, don't you even think about it. My best friend Eric Bischoff will kick your ass out in front of all these rednecks. Chronic, however, does not listen. And they set up Ernest the Cat Miller for the high times. However, they are saved by the blood as the new blood comes in and rescues Ernest the Cat Miller. Chronic gets their heat back, I guess, as Brian Crush performs an F5 onto Sean Stasiak. And that ends this segment. Backstage now, as actor in peril, Jonathan Majors yells at Tori Wilson in an abusive manner. Oh wait, that's not Jonathan Majors, that's actually Kidman. Now, they're in, I guess, Tori's locker room, or the, the ladies' locker room, and Kidman's berating Tori. Major Guns walks up, and she's like, hey, leave her alone. Uh, Jonathan, I mean, Billy Kidman calls Major Guns a dumb bitch. Major Guns straight up face palms and walks away in tears. So much for Major Guns to the rescue. I mean, all it took was to be called a bitch to fucking bring her down. Like, I get it. You shouldn't call someone a bitch. But she's all like, leave her alone. She gets called a bitch. And then she's like, ugh. So she was, you know, ballsy enough or, you know, doing what's right. She was doing what's right. Don't get me wrong. She's standing up for what's right. And then one derogatory term sends her away in tears. Toughen up, Major Guns. It's a wrestling business. Kidman says he'll Tory handle after his match. Meanwhile, in the parking garage area, I'm happy to report the Deadly Alliance has arrived. Now, if you're not familiar with the Deadly Alliance, it is not Shang Tsung and Quan Chi. That's in Mortal Kombat. The Deadly Alliance in this particular configuration is Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner and Big Sexy Kevin Nash. They were called the Deadly Alliance on WCW programming, so I'm not making that up. Uh, Scott Steiner, of course, has his freaks with him. Now, Pamela Paulshock, one of my favorite WCW interviewers extraordinaire, is here with the microphone. Uh, Pamela Paulshock, of course, will one day call an ambulance an ambulance on WCW TV. She says, Hey, Big Sexy, Kevin Nash, moments ago, Eric Bischoff announced he'll run the gauntlet against the New Blood. Nash responds, Hey, Pammy, I got a question for you. Is Goldberg here yet? Yes, he is. So that means uh, I'm the last one here, right? Yeah, yes. Ah, my gimmick's alive! As we head to a commercial. <laughs> oh, Kevin Dash, you drunk. You're so ecstatic to be... And I love that 
They even made sure to block this scene in a specific way that makes Steiner and the freaks walk in first, and then Nash walks in like a half second later. So technically, he was the last guy in the building. And I love that Nash is just free to acknowledge his ridiculous tardiness to a widespread television audience. Icing on the cake. <laughs> My gimmick's alive. Oh, I love you, Kevin Nash. You continue to be the gift that keeps giving as we head to a commercial. We're back from said commercial. And surprisingly, we're in the backstage locker room area. It appears to be the locker room that belongs to the Misfits in action because I see Major Stash, Lieutenant Loco, and Corporal Cajun. Major Stash is making sure to put some eye drops in his eyes because, you know, he gets high. General Rection enters, and upon viewing this, Stash yells, Oh, attention on deck, dudes! Misfits in action, where is Major Guns? Major Guns does arrive and in tears. What are you doing, Major Guns? Sir, who? Billy Kidd been yelling at me, sir. <laughs> He's treating Tory real bad. Now, who could possibly add Major Guns in this moment of crisis? G.I. Bro! Harlem related hero! G.I. Bro is here! And G.I. Bro enters from the unseen corner of the room. Major Guns, stop crying. Tonight's mission, find Goodman and kick his ass. Elsewhere, big sexy Kevin Nash and Goldberg sit in the locker room and chill. Nash speaks. Ugh, I gotta tell you, man, I missed you. They fist bump. Scott Steiner arrives and says, Dan Gavin's been talking trash for like two months. Go out there and kick his ass. Steiner and Goldberg give one another a bro-related high five. Goldberg retorts, I came to do one thing, and I'm going to do it tonight. Interesting side note. Goldberg appears to be the current Mr. Money in the Bank, as during this entire segment, he's holding a black briefcase, or a Halliburton baby, if you will, on his lap. Nash chimes in before we get back to professional wrestling. Don't forget, man. I owe you one for last week. You know, because you saved me. So, everybody out there, pay attention. Listen loud. I owe you one, Bill. So, if you ever get in any trouble, yeah, preferably tonight, because I'm already here. I'll protect. I'll come out and save you, dude. Am I laid it on thick enough for the jabronis at home? Back inside the arena, here comes G.I. Bro and his robot friend! Now, if you're not familiar with G.I. Bro's robot friend, unfortunately, he doesn't come down the aisle with a robot, Shades of Rocky IV, but his G.I. Bro Booker, no longer Booker T theme music does contain a robot voice. It's like, bum, 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 emergency, 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 Booker T, emergency. Booker T, or excuse me, um. <clears throat> WW rookie G.I. Bro is accompanied by the MIA and Major Guns. Mark Madden says, You know what? Let's pause for a second. Because upon viewing Major Guns coming down the aisle with the uh, Misfits and G.I. Bro, Mark Madden says something oh so painfully obvious about what Major Guns has gone through this evening, what's related to what Major Guns has gone through this evening, and how she's been reacting to what she's been going through. Now, I gotta tell you, 
I'm surprised, to be honest with you, that no one has said this to her yet. I thought for sure that Captain, or uh, that Major, uh, uh, Major Rection, what the fuck is Rection's name? Captain Rection? I thought Captain Rection was going to say it to her, and then he didn't. And then G.I. Bro popped in the corner while she was still upset, and I thought he was going to say it. So, I'll give you one guess what Madden says, but you're probably not going to need it after all that buildup. Of course, Mark Madden says, Well, watch Major Guns crying for? You know, there's no crying in professional wrestling, Tony. I mean, obviously, stealing it from a league. Yeah. But then, tremendously, he adds, You know what, Major Guns? If you can't stand the heat, get a job at Hooters. Ironically enough, those are my exact wedding vows. G.I. Bro grabs the microphone. Kill the music. G.I. Bro calls out Billy Kidman. And you know what? Thankfully, we don't have to wait long because here comes the kidster. But he's not alone. And he's not coming out to the patented, trademarked Billy Kidman theme. You know. It appears that the arena is about to get filthy, a dirty, a nasty. That's the way we like it. Because the kidster is flanked by his fellow filthy animals. That being Conan, the Juice, Ray Mysteric, and the Hip Hop Inferno. And don't forget the most important member of the Filthy Animals, Billy Kidman's patented Tommy Hilfiger jorts. The bell rings, and here comes match number two, dubbed an impromptu challenge match by Tony Schiavone. G.I. Bro defeats the Kidman via fatality, friendship, animality. Babality, brutality. Is that all of them? Are those all the alities? G.I. Bro starts off strong, but he immediately loses all credibility by wrestling this match with his stupid fucking G.I. Bro hat on. He looks like a little penis. He leaps and hits the Fort Bragg sidekick. Hip Hop Inferno jumps to the apron and eats a fist. Billy Kidman. Thankfully, removes the hat from G.I. Bro by delivering a bulldog. Since Billy Kidman is here, talk turns to Hulk Hogan Terry Bollea Dude, as Hulk Hogan Terry Bollea Dude will battle Billy Kidman at the Great American Bash with Hulk Hogan Terry Bollea's career on the line. Madden says that Hulk Hogan Terry Bollea is so nervous uh, that he's, quote, sweating like a nitro girl in a spelling bee, Tony. A scissor kick delivered by G.I. Bro. bro rooney He pushes Kidman into the corner and hits the patented ten punches. G.I. Bro then sets up Billy Kidman in the shattered dreams position. But he doesn't even know gold dust yet. Rather, though, than kick him in the balls himself, he allows Major Guns to enter the ring and do the honor herself. Major Guns appears to be excited because before she can deliver an earth-shattering kick... She rubs her own torso. But oh no, Tori Wilson is here. Billy Kidman is out of the Shattered Dreams position. Both males tell their female companions to exit the ring and the wars of sports-based entertainment. As Kidman tells Tori, though, Tori does the splits! Shades of Johnny Cage. She hits a low blow to the dick. She leaves the ring. Kidman 
no-sells the low blow as he tosses a cup to the outside from his drawers. The detail is almost completely missed and glossed over, but he turns around into a bookend for the one, two, three. Um, I give this match zero chances of defeating Hulk Hogan Terry Bollea at the Great American Bash, brother. A big brawl erupts between both factions. Lots of unprotected chair shots. Uh, WCW hip-hop superstar Conan, should be noted, is wearing a tie-dye shirt that you would absolutely assume Conan would be against wearing. Uh, given his hatred for cranberries, his words, not mine, the filthy animals stand victorious. Backstage, take Abbott goofily shadow boxes the camera and bobs his head seriously take abbott's head bobs this this segment needs to be gift immediately because these are the most insane head bobs you've ever seen in another area of the backstage eric bischoff and the cat walk towards the camera eric bischoff dressed to fight with a new blood t-shirt and a garbage can cat with a chair as they walk towards commercial but hey we're back a dinosaur story i've been sitting on we're back a dinosaur story to indicate we're back from commercial for a long time will anyone get the reference uh i hear some music as we're back in the arena it appears to be the rock and roll remix of brodus clay's and ernest the get miller's somebody call my mama you know because because Terry Funk's theme song is the rock remix of Somebody Come a Mama, Somebody Come a Mama, which means here comes the current reigning, defending WCW Hardcore Champ Terry Funk. We flash back via a video package to some of the crazy hardcore moments that we've experienced here in the history of WCW Must Die, including the time that Terry Funk dressed like the Phoenix Suns gorilla. The time he fought Vampiro near a gasoline truck. And my absolute favorite, last week on Thunder, the time he beat Hard Knocks Chris Candido in a horse stall with some horse-related assistance. I hear the dub that covers up Eric Bischoff's patented Desperado theme song. No, not Desperado. But the song from Desperado they play during the big gunfight. Which means, here comes Mr. Bischoff and the cat. Some crazy WCW fan is shown in the crowd that had the premonition to bring a sign that says, and I quote, Bischoff is hardcore. Mark Madden notes that Eric Bischoff has the advantage in youth and better hair. No arguments from a Johnny C. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as the heels enter the ring, Terry Funk has made a classic WCW must die mistake. He's holding a steel chair dangerously close to his own face. The cat throws his chair. Funk blocks with his own chair. But now Funk's chair is even more dangerously close to his own face. The cat hits a cartwheel vent catenator. The bell rings. So, match number three. Easy e Eric Bischoff, the most hardcore promoter in sports entertainment history, defeats, defeats Terry Funk to become the 
new WCW Hardcore Champion via the finish to the casket match at the Royal Rumble 1994. Unprotected chair shots are delivered from the cat. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the cat has nunchucks. However, he gives them to Eric Bischoff. Eric seems to say, well, a fellow chucker, eh? A nunchuck exhibition by Eric Bischoff Center Ring! It's glorious. Uh, but Terry Funk throws a trash can to the cat. Uh, Tony Schiavone calls Eric Bischoff a tournament karate fighter. But please note, he's not a Milton Bradley karate fighter. It's a standoff center ring. Eric and his nunchucks versus Terry Funk and his trash can shield. The objects collide with no clear winner. They collide again with no clear winner. Funk is flailing with the garbage can, looking like your step-uncle when he's had one too many to drink. Bischoff throws a chuck-based strike. It's blocked. Eric Bischoff stands, unaware of what will happen next in the match narrative. Bischoff waits. Funk gets the hint, and an unprotected trash can to Eric Bischoff's skull is delivered. Eric is down, but the cat pulls Eric outside so they can flee up the ramp. Funk follows throwing the trash can to no avail. We're about to head backstage, but the cameras cut to the announcer's table. Boo, says Atlanta. Tony, Scott Hudson, and Mark Madden in clear view now. Tony promises we will get a camera back there. Then stutters and says, do I promote this right now? WCW reload? Well, we're just stalling for time here. But wait. Some new music penetrates the Atlanta-based arena. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, 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 wow. That's WWE Hall of Fame member Ms. Hancock's music. She's here. Snoochie Boochies. You love it, don't you, Tony? Who wouldn't? He loves Hancock more than he does you, man. For Pete's sake. Miss Hancock stands. Center ring. She pulls her hair down. She's dancing. Wow, 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 wow. But wait! The music stops, and I hear some new music I don't recognize. Looks like we're about to be joined by Kimberly Page and Mike Awesome. Mid-hardcore match. Well, this is nice. Kimberly, in her large bosom shirt that says, Me, speaks. Excuse me! You're trying to steal my spotlight. Well, that is rude. Everyone knows these people that came, came to see me. And of course she points at her bosoms, but the bosoms do read me, so I'll allow it. And by the way, the secretary stripper thing, look, went out in like 1993. So, shoo, skedaddle, see you later. Miss Hancock turns to leave, but she drops her clipboard, and Kimberly strikes Miss Hancock in the back with her own clipboard. Hancock is down, awesome, and Kimberly go to leave. Hardcore match still taking place. But Miss Hancock grabs the microphone and says, Get your fat ass back here! Kimberly, offended, says, Did you just say fat ass? Hudson chimes in, Nitrovision 2 is what I call it. As if Scott is one to talk about someone else's appearance. You know, somewhere a hardcore title match is going on, and we want to see it! Chimes in Tony, I agree, kind of. Kimberly says that they will indeed fight later, but right now. It's time to leave. Conveniently, as the heels go to leave, Terry Funk is coming back to the ring. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Terry Funk has a wheelbarrow and the corpse of Eric Bischoff. 
He tosses Eric Bischoff into the wheelbarrow right underneath the Nitro big screen. Mike Awesome stands, watches, and literally walks right past them, destroying any and all semblance of the fictional reality that is World Championship Wrestling, as Mike Awesome is a charter member of the New Blood and a close ally of Eric Bischoff's mistress, Kimber Me. Wouldn't he help? I suppose not. I'm not booked to help. I wasn't booked. Anywho, uh, Mark Madden says that Funk is amazing. You know, uh, Terry Funk's first match was against Moser's in a Burning Bush match, Tony. Eric Bischoff is unceremoniously dumped into the ring. Terry Funk senses danger, sprints down the ramp to deliver a big clothesline for the Double Cross Ranch to the cat. Then a DDT to Eric Bischoff. We cut backstage. We couldn't get back there earlier with the camera. Vince Russo tells Johnny the Bull and Skull to go rescue Eric Bischoff. Now, Skull and Johnny the Bull are the Marmalukes, but I thought his name was Big Vito. But he does call him Skull. I guess he is bald. Terry Funk has a microphone, God help me. He says, I'm going to show you a bird's eye view of my wrinkled ass. Bischoff is down in the corner. Funk grabs his own drawers to perhaps deliver a stink face. The drawers are down and pasty white cheeks are visible. The problem here is that the Mamelukes are jogging down the ring, but Funk has Eric in the wrong corner so he can clearly see them coming. Funk pulls the pants up. Here comes Vito and Johnny the Bull, the shock troops of Vince Russo. Oh, Scott, quit trying to make things sound cool or important. Uh, the heels beat down on Funk. They deliver a body slam, a chair-assisted middle rope elbow. JTB then places the lid on ter- to a garbage can on Terry Funk's nuts, and they take a stick ball bat to the lid and the nuts. Execution DDT delivered by Skull. They drape Eric Bischoff on top. The referee counts one, two, three, and of course, new hardcore champion. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this match was interesting. It was insane. It contained a mid-match interview, but it was also stupidly entertaining. So I'm going to give it two uninterested Mike Awesomes. Backstage, Bill Goldberg tapes up his wrists, but next, it's time for Big Papa Pump to defend the United States-based championship against Vampiro, or Ian to his friends, as we head to a commercial. We're back from commercial, And outside in the parking lot, a long stretch white limo arrives. Well, who could it be? Who have we not seen yet here in the wars of sports-based entertainment? The limo door opens, and it's Ric Flair! Woo! But wait, it looks like Ric Ric Flair's family is here with him as well. So I guess it's not Ric Flair getting out of the limo. It's Ric Flair. Reed Flair is here wearing another gray Abercrombie t-shirt, letting us know that it is indeed the year 2000. But who's next in the limo? <gasps> it's America's favorite stepmom, Beth Fleer. Missing in action tonight are Mrs. Conrad Thompson and Charlotte Flair. But don't worry, they will show up eventually. Not on this show, but on, on other shows. Back inside the sirens blare, so here comes the defending U.S. champion, Big Papa Penis. As is per usual, 
The Pumpster is accompanied by his freak Shakira, Madeja, and of course, his peaks. Madden says that himself and Nash often, well, Madden says that Steiner and Nash often wine them, dine them, and Frankenstein them in regards to the freaks. That's clever, I suppose. Big Papa Pump has the microphone. He says that himself and the freaks came to Hotlanta early so they could party. I don't have a very good Scott Steiner, so we're just going to have to go with it. We went to Tiny Groove, and a freak approached, claiming that she'd been looking for love in all the wrong places. I looked her in the eyes and said, I don't know how to love you, but I do know how to touch you. So quit lusting it and let me bust it. Back at his place, back at my place, I gave her a feeling. He knew, I knew she touched the ceiling, and she called me the big bad booty daddy. So to all my freaks out there, big papa pump is your hookup. The breakfast bar is only seven ninety nine or ten ninety nine, depending on the day at Shoddy's. Holla if you hear me. Here comes his opponent, Ian, the Vampire Warrior. And oh my goodness, Ian appears to have brought to the ring his patented blowtorch and a can of precious guzzoline. Now, Ian and Steve, of course, are scheduled for the big, not copyright infringing somehow, human torch match at the Great American Bash. And hey, before this one can get started, let's take a look at the latest issue of the WCW magazine with the new blood on the cover. Including Scott Steiner in the group photo of the new blood? And people wonder why Prince is dead. Inside, there's a story on Vamp that's entitled, Down, But Never Out. Dreams come at no expense, except when you have dreamt your life away. Is this like an editorial expose, or is it Vampiro's high school creative writing assignment? Scott Hudson, on the commentary here, From the gutters of homelessness in Southern California, to the Phillips Arena before 18,000 strong with a gas can and a blowtorch. I think Hudson was trying to show some market improvement from one scenario to the other with this statement, but I find little difference in either two scenarios. The bell rings, so here we go with match number four, the Freaks versus Fire match. Scott Steiner defeats Ian via the Nerf baseball bat with real sound effects. Batteries not included. Mark Madden warns the freaks that silicone melts, so you better stay away from Vampiro. A ridiculous, over-the-top, exaggerated spinning heel kick is attempted to be delivered by Vampiro, but Steiner easily ducks and locks in a T-bone souffle. A military press slam delivered to the Dark Angel, quarter whip, boop by Vamp, followed up by some tiny punches, and then the sweet shit music by Vampiro. Martial arts foot strikes now, and Big Papa Pump is down. Oh my, though, Steiner is Irish whipped, but delivers a big clothesline from Detroit, Rock City. Come on, everybody, better get your feet and get down, everybody, I don't know the words. You gotta spend your time in Detroit, Rock City. A flex bow, followed up by Scott Steiner. You know the flex bow, but he flexes, kisses his peaks, and then does the elbow, the flex bow. He then tosses Vamp outside and whips him into the railing. Face first goes Vampiro into the unforgiving steps of Solid Steel. Another whip to the opposite security railing. And why not add some unprotected chair shots to this encounter? Sure, two of them. Delivered by Scott Steiner to Vampiro. 
Remember, the DQ rule is relaxed in WCW. Over to the announce table yet now. Scott Hudson, always on his feet, yells, Goldberg and Tank Abbott, for some reason, as the sports entertainers are fighting over the table. A wimpy body slam delivered by Steiner to Vampiro. Technically breaks the table, but it's pretty shitty looking. Vamp is up, and it's all kick, punch, it's all in the mind. Steiner is now whipped to the security railing. Unprotected chair shot to Scott Steiner. I'm surprised he allowed that. Then they fight inside to the ring. Scott goes to deliver a top rope belly to belly, but it's countered, and Vampiro leaps with a spinning heel kick from the top rope. However, keep in mind that Ian is the one delivering this maneuver, so it's more like a fall-off-the-top-turnbuckle hip assault. Boo, says Atlanta. I'm not sure if it's because Vampiro's the heel or because the move was executed so sloppily. Vampiro now has the blowtorch. He goes to strike Steiner. Steiner ducks. But Vampiro gets him the second time around. Isn't that the step-by-step theme song? Yeah, yeah, it is. Now, Steiner's down from the step-by-step related blowtorch incident. Medeja is on the top turnbuckle. She leaps with a diving freak press. Vamp is down, but he no-sells the impact immediately. He has the blowtorch and the gasoline. He's dripping gas all over the ramp as Medeja flees. But wait a minute. It's Sting! Sting has a baseball bat. He beats Vampiro down to the ring, and I swear to you, there is some sort of sound effect added with each bat strike to the audio track. It's like ping, pong, ping, but it's clearly fictional. Inside the ring, belly to belly play, Steiner recliner, and that's the ball game. Eh, whatever. I give this match two fiery freaks. Post-match, Sting walks around the ring and yells at Vampiro like an old man yelling at a cloud. But here comes Russo and Bischoff security. No sign of Samurai Cop, though, and they're quickly beaten down by Sting and the penis. Up next on the program, it's the top of the hour, as we head to commercial. We're back from commercial, ladies and gentlemen, and it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Here comes the man, Tank Abbott. According to Tony Schiavone, this is indeed the moment sports entertainment fans around the world have been waiting for. And sure, WCW could have saved it for the Great American Bash in just six days and made you pay for it. But shortly, we'll learn that it indeed was not worth paying for. Tank Abbott, of course, wearing his patented Kmart shorts. Tank Abbott is called the real Ultimate Fighter. Backstage, however, Goldberg makes the walk to the ring, flanked by a massive amount of police officers. In an unrelated news report that I read, apparently three people were killed in Atlanta during this edition of WCW Monday Nitro. Sices were sorted the lack of a police presence was directly related to the deaths. Goldberg emerges from the backstage. Scott Hudson, professional sports entertainment commentator, has the audacity to compare this upcoming encounter to the Georgia Dome match with Hollywood Hulk Hogan where Goldberg won his first championship. He then doubles down, shades of Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
when he adds, If Goldberg wins tonight, he won't be world champ. He'll be bigger than that. He'll be bigger than life if he shuts the mouth of the pit fighter. Wow, unrelated. You guys remember that fucking game Pit Fighter in the arcades with the uh, realistic graphics? Holy shit, I haven't thought of that in years. <laughs> yeah. uh, Goldberg is here with the pyrotechnics. He does his patented pyro punch and his patented pyro kick. And he manages to stay vertical. He enters the ring. The bell goes ding. So here we go. Match number five. The top of the hour main event. Goldberg defeats Tank Abbott via his patented suplex lift and pin. Tank Abbott is clearly in Memphis here as he's stalling on the floor as the match gets started. started, Excuse me. We do have massive piped-in Goldberg chants. You can tell they're piped because the cadence remains unchanged. The two combatants face off. Tank throws a right hand, ducked by Goldberg, and a Bret Hart career-killing superkick party delivered by the Bilster. A kidney shot by Goldberg. The two men lock up. Goldberg with a judo toss. <laughs> Called stiff front chancery takeoff <laughs> by Tony Schiavone. Goldberg is in the spear position, but oh no, Rick Steiner is here to spread hate and hit Goldberg in the back of the chair with a solid steel chair. But it has no effect on the bilster, even though it was unprotected to the head. Okay, now it appears to be having an effect because Goldberg is down on one knee. A right hook to the skull delivered by the pit fighter, Tank Abbott. Tank Abbott covers with his boot. One, two, no! Uh, interesting on the kickout here. Uh, Bill made sure to really kick out at like one and a half just in case somebody's trying to shoot on him. Everybody in the back wants my spot. I'm going to kick out at one. The heels beat down on Bill. Can Bill survive this? Why is he selling so much in his return match? And what will happen next? <laughs> Funny you should ask. Steiner's looking for Nash in the Wolfpack. Tank Abbott's looking in the aisleway. But guess what? Big Sexy comes through the crowd. The music was just a cunning ruse, you clouds! Yes, Kevin Nash comes to the crowd, distracting the heels with his theme music. Uh, the heels whip Bill Goldberg into the rope. Bill ducks a double clothesline. Nash trips Rick Steiner. Spear by Goldberg! Bill picks up Tank Abbott. He lifts. He suplays. And he pins! One, two, three! And the match is over about two minutes into it with a shit ton of outside interference. Well, it was the top of the hour main event. But unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have to give this match one poorly booked return for Bill Goldberg. Scott Hudson's all like, Tank Abbott went down like a rookie at the hands of Bill Goldberg. I think Tank Abbott is a rookie. Scott? Ish? He's a rookie-ish? Eh. Uh, Bill Goldberg is bleeding from the skull due to that unprotected chair shot, so I guess that makes him tough. Uh, Nash and Goldberg head to the back as Tony proclaims, Head cut wide open! We're back into another era of Bill Goldberg! As we head to a commercial. 
But we're back due to the power of Peacock. Backstage, Nash and Bill Goldberg are in the trainer's room. They fist bump. Uh, Bill thanks Nash for the assist and then says, Stitch me up to the WCW athletic trainer. Meanwhile, Pamela Paulshock, interviewer extraordinaire, is with Kim Burley and Mike Awesome at the WCW backstage interview position. Uh, Kim immediately takes the mic and tells Pamela that the show is about me. Uh, she then tells Stacy Keebler or Ms. Hancock to, Why don't you find a little teenager to team with tonight? Because me and Mr. Muscles are going to wipe that preppy look off your face. And then she offers to help Pamela find some new clothes. In the arena, though, it's time to continue the sports entertainment action as Cho 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 Chosen One bursts over the auditorium speakers. Here comes the reigning defending WCW belt holder, Jeff Jarrett. Tony gives us a few reminders of upcoming dates and is all like, here's just a few reminders on upcoming shows as we're still basking in the glow of Goldberg. I just thought it was funny. The lights go down, and here comes the dub of Sting's music to hide, seek, and destroy. Sting is here. Cute touch as Sting's raven is propped on Nitro Vision, but they don't even show it or zoom in. Like, I just saw it hanging out. Like, hanging out. I said a Canadian there for a second. What's wrong with me? But Sting's, like, down the aisle, and I just saw the raven perched, like, out of the corner of mine's eye. And I'm like, why even do that? Why even pay the animal people if you're not even going to do a close-up of it? I don't know. Just a waste of money. Jeff Jarrett attacks as Sting enters. So, no time to talk further. It's time for match six for the WCW belt strap. Sting defeats Jeff Jarrett with a dusty finish. Stun gun hotshot type maneuver by Sting followed up by a stinger splash. It misses, but Sting stops his own face from impacting and kissing the buckle. I think the announcers are unaware if this is a botch or a planned spot because they say nothing about the stinger splash. Sting is in control and delivers a power bomb. You don't see that too frequently. At least I feel like you don't. He goes to lock in the Scorpion Deathlock, but Jeff Jarrett kicks Sting all the way out of the ring and onto the ramp. Uh, legal chair shots by Jeff Jarrett now because remember, the DQ rule is laxed. Uh, unless, of course, the finish they're booking requires a DQ. They continue to brawl on the outside because it's a Jeff Jarrett match. Scott Hudson proclaims, This is the dawning of a new day thanks to Goldberg. Pretty much, don't look at the WCW title match that's on your TV. Just think about Goldberg. A big clothesline from the rooftops sends Jeff Jarrett inside. Sting with a sunset flip from the outside to the inside. Can he make the pin? No! Jeff Jarrett punches, but Sting no-sells this and snaps Jeff Jarrett back into the sunset flip pin position. One, two, three! Oh my god, new champion! New champion, oh my god! Yeah, he just beat him with a sunset flip. The crowd goes wild-ish. Sting hoists the WCW 48,000 pounds of gold over his head. But wait a minute. The hardcore champion Eric Bischoff is here and he has a microphone. He says, eh, you know, Sting... And congratulations on the victory there, pal. But I never said the match was for the title. It was a non-title match. I say, can the WCW belt strap be devalued any further here in the Russo and Bischoff era? Sting tells Eric that that's okay, because I'm going to put Jeff Jarrett in a body bag. Sting beats up Jeff Jarrett. 
They head back to the announce table. Sting punches Jeff Jarrett. The punch sends Jeff leaping through the air and breaking through the table as he lands on it. It's quite humorous. Now on the ramp, Sting locks in the Scorpion Deathlock. Scott Hudson, God help me, continues to be invaluable to this podcast by saying the words Dusty Finish over commentary. Sting then grabs the acoustic equalizer and murders Jeff Jarrett for the big finish. This match was just plum fucking dumb. I just give it a big old fat zero with nothing funny attached to it because it was a waste of your and my time as we head to another fucking commercial. We're back with a replay of the Dusty Finish. Now back to live footage as Jeff Jarrett is being put into an ambulance. Bischoff is begging the EMTs to be careful because, quote, He's our champion. This company goes nowhere without him. <laughs> okay. Back in the arena, here comes Mr. Muscles Mike Awesome with a microphone. Shut up! Hey, you hear the clock pointing down on your career, DDP? Don't worry about it, though. Be positive, because I hear nurses give great sponge baths. God damn it. More evidence as to why we should script promos. Uh, he introduces his tag team partner, Kimber Me. Even her ring gear says me. Uh, progressive moment in pro wrestling history. Woman in the crowd with a sign that says, I want Kimberly. Well, I like that. Rah, 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 rah. Here comes Miss Hancock, ready to wrestle in her normal Miss Hancock attire. She's got a clipboard and a microphone. She basically says, if we're going to fight, you've got to sign a waiver, Kimberly, in case I ruin your face and body, because I know that's how you make all your money. Foolishly, Kimberly signs the paper-based document without reading it. Now, who could possibly be the mystery partner? Well, Tony Schiavone knows who it is because he yells, Self-high five! Now, pause. If you're not familiar with the ongoing narrative between DDP and me, or Kimber me, or Kimberly, they're divorcing and she has a restraining order against DDP. Unpause. Madden brings up the restraining order that Kimberly has against DDP, so there's no way this can be legal. Tony Schiavone chimes in, Well, it is legal because it's a verbal commitment matchup. This is why you clue in your announcers, Mr. Russo, so they don't say something as foolish as verbal commitment matchup on a live television broadcast. Kimberly has a mic now and it's like, uh-uh, I got a restraining order against you, DDP. Hey, yo, Einstein! You just signed your rights away, honey! What a swerve! yells Tony. The bell rings, so match number seven! Seven matches so far and all the backstage shenanigans. It's a mixed tag team verbal commitment matchup. DDP and Ms. Hancock defeat the career killer, Mr. Muscles Mike Awesome, and Kimber Me via the thigh gap. The ladies start off this encounter. Ms. Hancock, wrestling with her glasses on. Cat fight! Broken up by a rope break. This is not only fun, but legal. Good line, adds Tony. Kimber Me stands center ring and lifts both hands in the air to pose and taunt. Scott Hudson yells, "It's the Macarena!" Kimberly doesn't do the Macar does indeed do the Macarena to no reaction. She grabs the microphone. You know that was pathetic. Your reaction. 
Stacy Keebler says, well, I can do one better than you. She stands in a ring and begins to do her body gyrations. Rah, 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 rah. But Kimberme assaults from behind with a cheap shot. Uh, Ms. Hancock is up now. She touches Kimberly's right bosom and rips the M off of her sports bra. Because Kimberly had me embroidered on her, her athletic support. And now it just says E. Scott Hudson, for all those that can't read, says, Well, now it's all about E. E pushes Ms. Hancock down, but E is in the wrong part of town, and DDP distracts E, and Hancock counters with a full Nelson hair snapmare. And fuck me sideways, I just noticed that poor Stacy Keebler is wrestling this match in high heels. Kudos to you, Stacy. Stacy Stacy drags me over to the fucking post like she's going to lock in the goddamn heart lock. Awesome, though, pulls Stacy away, and Ms. Hancock slaps Mike Awesome in the face. Dynamite drop in by Mark Madden here. You know, I would love to be the pole right there when Kim was over there, Tony. Hot tag to Diamond Dallas Page, and a top rope clothesline from the set of Ready to Rumble, followed up by combination strikes and a discus lariato. Irish whip is reversed. DDP does a crucifix pin that I swear to God gets a what a maneuver by Scott Hudson. One, two, no. Both male athletes are up now. Mike Awesome hits the dreaded Rochambeau mule kick, according to Scott Hudson. He follows up with a German. Achtung, achtung. DDP is down, so Mike Awesome sets up a table on the outside. Back in, DDP is still down. Uh, Awesome is taking a few extra seconds here to set up the table, so we get an absolutely dynamite exchange on commentary. Sorry, Mark, but Awesome is not setting up a buffet with that table. Ah, uh, that's okay. There's enough to eat out there already. I wouldn't mind if he did. <laughs> I'm sorry for all this, fans, adds Tony. Inside, a body slam delivered to DDP to keep him down. Awesome goes up top for the career-killing frog splash. One, two, no. Mike Awesome sets up the Awesome Bomb. He's going to toss DDP over the top rope and onto the table that awaits on the floor. But Ms. Hancock stands on the apron, blocking the power bomb, lift, toss, and table. Now she's standing on the table in high heels. She's adjusting her clothes. She took off her dress, Gorilla! Oh, wait, no. Honestly, she kind of just lifts her dress up a little bit to show off her thighs. Diversionary tactics! Diversionary tactics! Yells Tony Schiavone. Diamond cutter! One, two, three! <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. I give this four embroidered M's. This was an absolutely delicious match. Absolutely no pun intended. Remember, even though I gave it four what I guess would be stars, here on WCW Must Die, four stars or five stars, God help me, could indicate a Tokyo Dome classic, or in this case, four stars of insane, awesome, nonsense, hilarious awfulness, in my opinion. Backstage, Pamela Paulshock is standing in front of Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea's dressing room, and she says, Hulk Hogan just said to her, quote, There's no way in hell I'm fighting Horace tonight. <gasps> what will happen? Is the family feud over? Well, we head to a commercial. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, from the commercial break. And here is something that I really, really, really want to point out to everybody who's listening at home. I know the show has run a little long today. And keep in mind, this is a 10-match card. But 
here's the important thing to make note of, okay? In the real world, that being the world of Nitro right now, we have 20 minutes of TV time remaining. And three matches left that technically, on paper, conceptually should be huge, okay? We know we have Nash running the gauntlet. Uh, that's been confirmed, not a spoiler. Uh, we know Flair and Russo are going out in the caged heat. That was confirmed in the opening segment. And now we've got Hogan versus Hogan. Now, look, like I said, look, the, the, I get it. Like, the matches, it's like Russo versus Flair's. But, but hear me out. Russo versus Flair in a Hell in a Cell structure. God, I sound like Vince McMahon. It should at least get time, regardless of whether or not you think it's a good idea. Like, it's been built to get time. So we have 20 minutes left. Now, we return in the arena. The caged heat cage is halfway covering the ring. Horace Hogan and Eric Bischoff come down the aisle with the Hardcore Championship belt, of course. Eric grabs the mic, and you can kind of tell there's no time to fool around. He's like, all right, all right. I just want to make it abundantly clear I spoke to the EMTs, and Jeff Jarrett's gonna be okay. That's the good news. But the bad news is Hulk Hogan's not gonna wrestle here tonight. Now, as Eric is giving his soliloquy, Horace is trying to, you know, save some time, and he's setting up a table on the outside of the ring. Eric's like, whoa, whoa, Horace, Horace, man, you're working too hard, man. We got the night off. Horace takes the microphone and yells, I want to put his ass through a table. Probably shouldn't let Horace talk, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I'll tell you what, Horace. Maybe Hulk Hogan will come out here and forfeit like a man. Why don't you come on out, Hulkster? I dare you. Cue the NWO theme. Eric, still on the house mic, yells, Hey, hey, that ain't Hulk Hogan music. Oh, but it is, Eric. Out comes, ladies and gentlemen, making his triumphant turn, return to world championship-based wrestling. Hollywood... Hulk Hogan, full black and white regalia, full drawn-in beard, full NWO Hollywood Hogan. My favorite variant of Hogan, so I'm excited. Uh, Hogan does a throat slash, indicating, cut the music. Well, you know something, gentlemen? I said Hulk Hogan wasn't going to wrestle here tonight, dude. But I didn't say a damn thing about Hollywood. It sure feels good to be bad again. So lower that damn cage, and I'll show you how bad I am, Horace. Hogan jogs to the ring. That way he doesn't get crushed by the caged heat as it lowers. As he jogs, Madden yells, an actual humorous thing, forget Hulkamania, schizophrenia's running wild. I mean, you know, it kind of works. The bell rings as the cage lowers. Here we go. Match number eight. Uncle versus nephew in an impromptu caged heat match. Hollywood Hulk Hogan defeats Horse Hogan via a musical chair. Now the cage continues to descend as the two athletes slug away at one another. A court clothesline from Venice Beach delivered by the Hollywoodster. Remember fans... Horace Hogan is the referee at the Great American Bash when Hollywood Hulk Hogan defends his job against the Kidman. So this match is super important. Now, ladies and gentlemen, something very strange happens. Hollywood Hulk Hogan starts throwing some punches. That's pretty normal. 
But as his punches connect with the skull dome of Horace Hogan, I start to hear sound effects. If you'll recall, I hypothesized Sting was using some sort of a Nerf special effects bat. Ladies and gentlemen, are Hulk Hogan's fists mic'd up? Because every time he lands a punch, I hear the Sting's bat sound effect. Something's going on. Uh, Hogan takes his weight belt off just one minute into this cage match. Whip, whip, whip. And now we've got a belt-assisted choke into a belt-assisted camel clutch. Hollywood fires off tons of rapid-fire mini punches. But not all of them make sound effects, but some of them do. I don't know what's happening here, folks, but it is glorious. Madden chimes in. You know, I love Hollywood Hulk Hogan. It's the most refined, the most sadistic, the most focused version of Terry Bollet ever. Again... Harkening back to older shows, Mark Madden doesn't know how to pronounce Hulk Hogan's last name. It's Terry Bollea. Yes, 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 Hogan chooses to pronounce the A-A, but Mark Madden always says Terry Bollea. Big Irish whip into the cell from the Hollywood stir. Come on, Horace, fight like a man. Hogan takes a chair from the ringside area. He lifts it, but it's dangerously close to his own face. Van Horace Nader by Horace. More brawling on the outside until we get back in the ring with Hollywood Hulk Hogan back in control. Horace is down on his knees, begging Hollywood Hulk Hogan, please don't hit me with a chair, Uncle Hollywood. But the Hollywood does not accept your surrender, Horace. He hits him with a chair. He hits him with a little gut kick and a chair to the back. An Irish whip. Hogan goes for the big boot, but oh no, he's still holding the chair. So instead of the big boot, well, he just slams the chair into Horace's face. I like the creativity. He puts the chair on Horace Hogan's leg. Hogan bounces off the ropes. Hollywood, that is. My God! Concerto leg drop to the face! One, two, three! Oh, the match was fine. It was a little walk-around talk punch for my taste. I'll give it two sound effect punches, if you will. A post-match, Billy Kidman opens the door and attacks. And do you remember that Horace Hogan set a table up on the outside of the ring earlier? Well, I hope you did. Because Hollywood beals Kidman from one side of the ring all the way to the outside, crashing down onto the table. I suppose you could say when he comes crashing down, his ribs gonna hurt inside. And I don't know about you folks, but the pay-per-view is now sold. Seeing Hollywood Hulk Hogan easily dismantle both his nephew and his opponent for Sunday has solidified my purchasing power. Tony chimes in, the right version of Hogan is coming to the Great American Bash! Meanwhile, backstage, Pamela Paul Shock is here to interview the entire Fleer family. Uh, Ric Flair, you worried Vince Russo has something planned in the cage heat match. Pamela! It's this! Woo! Atlanta, by God, Georgia. Is this the home of WCW? Do we have a steel cage with a locked door? Do we have Rick Woo Flair versus Russo? I'm not worried about a thing, Pamela. Russo makes the lonely walk to the ring all by his lonesome. He's got a cell phone and he's yelling into it. David! David, you need to get here! I'm on next! 
David, what do you mean? Traffic? Get your ass here, David! As we head to a commercial. Now we're back, ladies and gentlemen. And Kevin Nash is shown in the locker room, lacing up his boots for the gauntlet run of the new blood. Did he take him off after helping Bill Goldberg earlier? Jesus Christ, was Nash walking around backstage barefoot? Gross. Vince Russo's theme is playing, and that means here comes the Batman. Or I guess you could call him the Sad Man, as he's walking down looking oh so very depressed. Article in that WCW magazine we mentioned earlier, all about Russo and Bischoff, entitled Dangerous Minds. I guess WWF's not the only one behind the times with their film references. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, here comes the Fleers. WCW is certainly getting their money's worth out of Reed Flair's summer vacation. And you know, I still want to know if Reed Flair, the person, got paid for this shit. We've talked about this in past episodes. I know he's a minor, but you could get a job at McDonald's as a minor, and that money goes to you. It don't go to your parents. I mean, I don't know if that's a state-to-state thing. If it is, that's sad and scary. But seriously, did a, like did Reed Flair have a contractual appearance, a paper appearance deal? Because you really fucking should have. And if they didn't, that is illegal child labor, and somebody should sue. If you want to join a class action lawsuit? Hit me up on Twitter at the Johnny C. Maybe we can get something going. Um, Rick Flair is wearing his wrestling gear for a change. I guess he got into shape somehow uh, during the the weeks. Uh, Reed Flair still wearing the gray shirt, but I can now confirm he's also wearing cargo shorts. Just again to confirm the year 2000. Rick enters the caged heat cage with his career on the line in just six days, so he's taking a big risk. The bell rings. Match number nine. The scheduled caged heat match. The Batman. Vince Russo defeats Rick Flair via you, David. Alright, now this is a blood feud held within the confines of what is basically the Hell in a Cell structure. So let's start with a lockup. Russo Irish whips out of the lockup and shoulder tackles Ric Flair. He celebrates with an O'Doyle rules hand gesture. I kind of love it. Rick unfortunately chooses not to sell and gets right back up, puts Vince in the corner. But the Batman hits a low blow mule kick outside of the view of referee Charles Robinson. Why go to such great lengths to disguise a low blow when you're inside the caged heat structure? Uh, a chop by Vince Russo sends Flair down with a back bump, my god. Russo struts! He struts poorly, but by god he struts! Flair again no-sells the chop and rips Vince Russo's shirt and starts giving him the woo chops. Uh, upon scene, Vince Russo's hairy chest, Scott Hudson says, We apologize, fans, for you having to see Vince Russo without a shirt. Now, I've seen Scott Hudson without a shirt, and I've seen Vince Russo without a shirt. And, Scott, you ain't got nothing to talk about. Vinny Rue looks better than you. He's got a couple less fat rolls than you do. Hey, I'm just... Facts. Facts. A low blow kick by Ric Flair in the plain view of referee Little Nature Charles Robinson. So, at least he understands the rules. A side suplex, and... Oh, God! Let me repeat that. A side suplex delivered by Flair to Russo. And, folks, Russo doesn't know how to do this... And his skull bounces off the mat. You gotta tuck the chin. That's Concussion City. Uh, patented out of the corner. Ric Flair knee drop. Hits Russo in the face. Um, now, Russo is starting to get rammed into the turnbuckles here. And then, they go outside and get rammed into the cage. And, uh, of course, 
While this is happening to Vince Russo, Scott Hudson yells, Kevin Nash will run the new blood gauntlet. Um, Russo is laying on the ground. Hudson says, his chest is raw and red. Hilariously, though, Russo is on the ground yelling, David, David. And speaking of David, David Flair emerges from under the ring. How did he get there, Tony? Was he under the ring all day? Rick chases David inside, and they start to have a little match. Oh, Tony Schiavone, with just the dumbest call I've heard in some time, was this part of Russo's plan. It's like you don't want my respect, Tony. I still love you, but yeah, I mean, I know it's a it's a narrative match structure, but it's like, yes, clearly it was. Uh, Vince Russo decks the referee and tries to open the cage door. However, he's cut off by Reed Flair. Or, excuse me, Reed Flair. No, this is the character. This is Reed Flair, not Reed Flair. Reed Flair bites the fingers of Vince Russo so he can't open the door. Back in the ring, David is bumping around like a rag doll for Rick. So that's fun. David is then whipped into the steel cage so hard he springs forward into a little roll. It's hilarious. This is madness! Madness, I tell you! Yells Mark Madden like a goddamn fucking Englishman from a, I don't know, a Kings and Queens sword and sandals epic. Uh, Meanwhile, dead center in the ring, Vince Russo is setting up a ladder. (laughs) Okay. It's... (laughs) I know Russo's like a reborn Christian. Is he trying to build the ladder to heaven? Where were you when Russo built that ladder to heaven? Did it make you think about 9-11? I don't know if anybody remembers that gag. Uh, but Russo does indeed climb the ladder to heaven. Uh, Ric Flair goes to pull him down, but not before Rick Vince Russo can yank on the cage and pull a panel down that was a trap door. So if you need a visual... They're up on a ladder, and remember when Foley got tossed through the top of the Hell in a Cell and one of the cage panels was hovering down? It's like that, but it's smaller. It's a much smaller panel. By design, this is. Uh, Russo kicks Flair off the ladder and climbs up to the top of the cage. And ladies and gentlemen, June 5th, 2000, Monday Nitro. Ric Flair and Vince Russo are trading fisticuffs on top of the Hell in a Cell-like caged heat structure. Uh, Flair signals that he's going to toss Russo off the top of the cage. Hudson ruins everything by yelling, Like it's Lamboree! With Mike Awesome and Chris Canyon! Chop! Woo! Uh, Russo gouges the eyes, though, and flees. He's looking to climb the ladder back down. I guess this will be the ladder to Earth. But, ladies and gentlemen, the ladder has been knocked over in the ring. And so Russo starts to climb down from the top of the the caged heat, held a cell-like structure, to the ring by dangling. Flair stomps on Russo's fingers. Russo falls from the top of the cage onto the mat. Now look, it's not sort of some sort of spectacular bump. Like if Seth Franklin Rollins did this bump, you'd be like, eh. But... Vince Russo did this, and his, again, he didn't tuck, and this is concussion number two. Vince Russo's an idiot. He's not a very good writer, and he's a joke and a hack and blah, blah, blah. Yes, 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 I agree. I do all this in jest. I hope that's fucking come across, okay? But Russo's making the sacrifices here for sure. Ric Flair struts a little bit, and little Nate politely sets up the ladder so Flair can climb down. Well, that's nice of him. Uh, Flair then tosses the ladder to the outside. 
he stomps on Russo, and then David, and then Russo, and then David. It's kind of a fun game of ping pong. But time is no, the, the time is ready thin, so, so let's end this thing. Ric Flair locks in the figure four on Vince Russo. Now pause! We've talked about the many bumps that Vince Russo has taken during this match, and they've all been within the storyline confines, but of course the real-life consequences we've noted. How does Vince Russo not instantly tap out to the figure four, or at least pass out, or am I taking this too seriously? You know what? I am taking this too seriously, but let's track it just for funsies. It is possible, because we haven't unpaused yet, that this is just going to be a momentary figure four. Let's unpause. 20 seconds later, we're still in the figure four. 40 seconds later, we're still in the figure four. One minute later, still in the figure four. David Flair still unconscious. Charles Robinson asking him, that being Vince Russo, pronouns pal. 70 seconds later, I think they asked Vince Russo if he was going to give up, and he said, I don't know, because shades of you can't do that on television. 70 seconds into the figure four, viscous red liquid spews from the roof, a.k.a. a bunch of fucking new blood falls out of the ceiling under the ring, and it splats perfectly onto Ric Flair and Charles Robinson. It did miss hitting Russo so well done. Now look, the blood's everywhere, but the impact of the blood is what's supposed to hurt. You know what I mean? Like, you know, liquid falling from a high. It should hurt. I'm sure it probably did hurt. But they did a good job of actually hitting their target this time. Now the blood is thick. Not so much the liquid itself, but there's a but there's a lot of it in the ring, and it's it's fucking rising. It's new blood rising. I like the brain synergy. But Scott Hudson yells, "It's inches deep in the ring. The new blood of Vince Russo." There's like a sex joke there, but I'm just gonna let it play. Russo is up. He is in no pain. His legs are completely fine. He covers Rick. There's no referee because Robinson is out. David counts. One, two, three. David counts again. One, two, three. Robinson is finally up. He counts. Russo still has his knees on Ric Flair. One, two, three. That's right. Three and oh, baby. It's over. Now, give Russo a little credit. He stands up after achieving three pinfall victories on Ric Flair and collapses to the ground. Uh, no time to look at this any further because we cut to the back. Nash is talking to Steiner and Nash is just, you know, sitting there cool as a cucumber talking to Scott. While his buddy Ric Flair, who he sacrificed the world title to a couple weeks ago, is laying in the fucking center of the ring dying, being assaulted. Uh, but, you know, that's fine. According to the closed captionings, Nash and Steiner say, uh, indistinct? Indistinct! Yeah, indistinct. And it's time to take our final commercial break. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. The announcers recap everything while the ring is getting cleaned up. There's seven minutes left in the broadcast at this time as they show the recap of what happened in the caged heat, which means Hogan v. Hogan and Flair v. Russo took only 13 minutes. Now, the conversation... Uh, you know, continues there at the uh, announcer's desk. The new blood gauntlet is incoming, but how will the time be managed in a real-world nature? Mark Madden says that he, I got hit with some of that blood, Tony. It felt like a baptism. They start talking about it some more, and Madden says blood again. This is a Turner Broadcasting faux pas. Because Tony Schiavone, like an angry parent, chimes in, 
Red liquid. Sorry, red liquid. Uh, like I said, six minutes left in this broadcast now. Here we go. I promised you, up top, hours ago, one of my favorite main events of all time. We have arrived. Oh! The call of the new blood penetrates the Phillips Arena, and the sex executioner walks faster than normal, or faster than you might think, I suppose, as Tony promotes that there will be a announcement at the Great American Bash that will change the fates of sports entertainment forever. Uh, somehow the ring is clean. Madden says the words sports entertainment media, and it doesn't make me angry, it just makes me smile. I wanted to throw that in there. Vince Russo's theme hits. Russo comes out limping, covered in viscous red liquid, and he's flanked by a lot of the new blood. You got uh, the Hip Hop Inferno here, wearing an Atlanta Falcons Deion Sanders jersey, by the way. I want it. Uh, Chris Candido, Johnny the Bull, Skull, or Vito to his friends. Uh, Conan, Juice, and Rey Mysterio are here in their street clothes. The perfect events here. Nash, Mike, awesome. There's a lot of them. All right, Nash, I'm here to reiterate the rules, you big stiff. <laughs> he calls him a big stiff. Uh, five minutes left. You get pinned. You lose your shot at the Great American Bash. If any of the Millionaires Club interferes, you lose your shot at the Great American Bash. Now go in there and beat the crap out of him. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, with the main event. Match 10. One of my favorites of all time. Kevin Nash runs the new blood gauntlet with only 4 minutes and 37 seconds left. The bell rings. The Hip Hop Inferno is the first opponent in the gauntlet match. Hip-Hop Inferno strikes with some shin kicks. He jumps on Nash's back. Nash whips the Hip-Hop Inferno around into a sidewalk slam. Covers. Referee Slick Johnson goes down. Counts. One, two, three. Like fast as hell. Is this the Survivor Series? Only in the Survivor Series can a transition move get the one, two, three. But we are rather short on time. Former WCW Cruiserweight Champion. Man who was once rumored to feud with the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Chris Candido is in. Ladies and gentlemen, I've heard rumors pray tell that Chris Candido is a little bitch. And here I offer the proof of a professional nature. Candido runs forward, big boot by Nash. Johnny the Bull enters the ring as Candido sells the big boot. Kevin Nash puts Chris Candido in the jackknife position. He lifts Chris Candido. Johnny the Bull stands. Does nothing. Kevin Nash completes the jackknife configuration to Chris Candido. Johnny the Bull now attacks Kevin Nash. Referee Slick Johnson goes down to count a pin. No one is pitting Chris Candido. Kevin Nash is standing, throwing punches with Johnny the Bull in the corner. Three minutes left of television time. Slick Johnson, the referee, counts. One, two, three. Chris Candido has been pinned by no one. The ultimate burial. Jackknife to Johnny the Bull. Referee Slick Johnson goes down to count the three before Johnny the Bull makes impact from the jackknife. Johnny the Bull makes impact. One, two, three. Three! Vito runs in. 
A knee to the gut by Nash. A jackknife. He almost drops poor Skull on his skull. No cover. One. Two. Now Nash must like Big Vito or something because he puts his foot on him at three to cover. So three. So at least he kind of covered Big Vito. Ray Mysteric runs in. Here we go. The epic confrontation rematch we've been waiting for. Ray versus Nash 2. Ray charges. Big boot. Nash thinks about lifting Rey Mysterio up to jackknife him. Like he bends over to grab his hair and then stands back up. He just puts his boot on his chest. One, two, three! Mysterio is gone. The juice enters the ring. He then runs away. At this point, all of the new blood just storms into the ring and they beat down on Nash. Even the franchise is here. I thought that guy was dead. Cross him off then. All right. Uh, suddenly... That's Goldberg's music, Tony. Two minutes left of television time. Uh, Goldberg trots down wearing his Georgia football t-shirt. The new blood stand waiting, just chomping at the bit. Goldberg enters. He spears the tag team title holders, the perfect event. No one counts the three, though. Now, nobody in the new blood contingent can remember who's supposed to attack Goldberg next. Finally, the franchise is like, we're sitting here looking like idiots. I'm going to kick Goldberg. And he kicks Goldberg. And then Vampiro's like, oh yeah, shit, it was my turn to attack Goldberg. And he does his spinning fucking Vampiro kick. And the franchise and Vampiro, ugh, there's a team from my nightmares, double team Bill Goldberg. Nash saves him. There's one minute left in the broadcast. All of the new blood members flee to the ramp, except for the franchise. That's okay with me. Goldberg military presses franchise over the top, landing into the arms of the new blood safely, unfortunately. Goldberg's music plays. I guess the match is over. Who won? Is the match over? Nash and Goldberg share an awkward hug. Eric Bischoff's music hits. Okay, got about 30 seconds left. Uh, hey Goldberg, I warned you. And Wednesday, at Thunder, I will suspend you. What? Says Tony. 20 seconds left. Goldberg has a mic. Hey Bischoff! You suspend me. Your ass is next. Somehow, Goldberg's words cause pyrotechnics to appear as they shoot forth from the ring posts. Tony signs off and makes the call. What a program we've seen. What a signal to Wednesday on Thunder into the Great American Bash this Sunday. Good night! And fade to black. Ladies and gentlemen, the New Blood Gauntlet is obviously easily five stars. They're the Phantom Pins. I love this fucking match. I love the ridiculousness of it. I love the patheticness of it. Yes, it makes the New Blood look stupid. But again, you can't take it... I mean, you, you take it too serious. I don't know. I just don't know. Like, I don't even care about all that shit. I just love that they make Candido look like a bitch. Because I don't like Candido. And the No Pin... Three counts. It's fucking glorious. It's improvisation, improvisation, excuse me, at its worst. At its worst! And speaking of at its worst, I think that's a good enough time to sign off here on uh, episode 18 of WCW Must Die. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the new TNN podcast feed so you get notified whenever new content drops. This is a hell of a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be back for Thunder in just a couple days. Well, just a couple days in WCW time. You know how long it takes to do one of these shows? You know how many notes I have to take? Oh, well, though, that's okay. I'm Johnny C. The winner is you. Oh, and hey, don't forget, 
when times are down, make like Vince Russo and climb that ladder to heaven. Alan Jackson is, of course, the man who wrote the song Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning about the tragedies on September 11th. And now he's here once again to capitalize on people's emotions. Let's listen in. Where were you when they built the ladder to heaven? Did it make you feel like crying? Or did you think it was kind of gay? What a beautiful song. Well, I for one believe in the ladder to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 9-11. I said 9-11, Thank you. I have a new CD out with all my 9-11 songs for sale right here. Yeah. Oh, 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 